Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Behind the Lodge Door on member-supported Restoration Radio. We are your hosts, Dan and Damo. This episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. However, to receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit truerestoration.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. Now, Dan, if you were chatting with your friends... Okay, and it came to light that they had a membership with Restoration Radio, but you didn't. Can you imagine? Oh, oh no. No, no, I don't. Oh, the embarrassment. embarrassment. Shocking. Oh, oh. You're, you're not a member? Come on now, don't get left behind. Get onto True Restoration Radio and sign up today. Make use of the available technology and tap into high-quality, true Catholic content, which you can then discuss with your friends every time you meet. Because if you get left behind, you won't be able to hear our Behind the Lodge Door series. And this is a series you don't want to miss. Now, listeners, don't insult your own intelligence by listening to that modern, counterfeit, incorrect, untrue, wrong, erroneous, fallacious, faulty, flawed, distorted, and invalid pretend Christian stuff put out by that Vatican II cult of man. And, listeners, the same goes for that incredibly confusing, nonsensical, illogical, claptrap, twaddle, balderdash, gibberish, <laughs> rubbish, jumbo, guff, blather, misguided, misleading, spurious, disorted, non-luminous, non-doctrinal, softline drivel from the SSPX. That's it, Dan. And, listeners, whatever you do... Don't waste your precious time with that resistance paraphernalia, which is a clear demonstration of typical Bishop Williamson indecisiveness, particularly when it comes to understanding the teachings of Holy Mother Church. Well, that is to say, I think it is rather indecisive, Dan, but then again, I don't really know, because to paraphrase Bishop Williamson, the Novus Ordo is most definitely harmful to your faith, but at the same time, if it nourishes your faith, then apparently that's fine, so long as you don't cause scandal, which is, of course, not possible, because let's not forget, the Novus Ordo is wrong as a whole, but it may build your faith even though it is intrinsically evil. In other words, it's impossible that it can build your faith, but hey, you decide for yourself, and if you can't decide for yourself because you don't trust yourself, then ask a friend you can trust. If you have one you can trust, that is. But... If you're not sure, keep your eyes peeled for what appears to be a miracle because anything seemingly resembling a miracle, even though it is about to be proven to be a hoax, is a sure sign that it, it must, must be okay. okay. Are you sure about that, Demo? Absolutely, unequivocally. In fact, I've never been more certain about anything in my entire life, Dan. Hmm. But now that I think about <laughs> it, there is a chance that I might be wrong. <laughs> now, Demo, annual True Restoration membership works out to 41 cents a day. 41 cents a day, Dan? 41 cents a day, Dan. Oh, and with your annual membership, Dan, you get access to, wait for it, everything. Yes, that's right, Demo. And that includes all series of Restoration Radio, <laughs> the Restoration Radio Forum, yeah. True Restoration Media, I say. transcripts, Whee! 10% discount on any purchase from True Restoration Press. Get out of here. And more. To all you non-members out there, take the plunge, jump on board. Please give us your support, which helps us to keep operating. Take out a membership with True Restoration and become a part of our team. And as a collective group, we can play our part in working towards the restoration of the True Church of Christ. I like the sound of that, Dan. Now, Dan, what are we going to be talking about today? Okay, Damo, well, here we are. Welcome, listeners, to this episode one in the series called Behind the Lodge Door, a series which aims to give you an increased awareness of one of the greatest enemies of Holy Mother Church. And I am, of course, referring to... The Freemasons. 
And for those who have not already listened to our Zero episode on Behind the Lodge Door, which is a freebie show, by the way, please do so before listening to this show. But for those who are up to date and have listened to our Zero show, well, you may recall that a Catholic who either joins the Freemasons or any other secret society for that matter, or simply has anything whatsoever to do with them, is ipso facto excommunicated and no one in that situation can obtain the benefit of absolution other than at the hour of death, except through the Roman pontiff of the time. That has been Holy Mother Church's position on Freemasonry since 1738, when it was first condemned by Pope Clement XII, and it will never cease to be her position. That is as clear as a bell. Oh, hang on, Dan. The dog's coming in. Oh. Oh, can, can someone get him out of here, please? Oh. How'd now, you go? Uh, our, our listeners uh, may not know this. Um, Domo, your dog's name is um, Ipso Facto. That's correct, Dan, yes. Well, you know, we're just trying to keep the Latin flavour alive in the family home, and I encourage all our listeners with pets to give them a Latin name. Now, if you had a dog, Dan, what Latin name would you give it? Hmm, not sure, Damo. I'll uh, have to think about that one. Can okay. I get back to you? Sure, Dan. Now, listeners, Dan and I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for your feedback on The Zero Show. Yes, we're particularly chuffed that Wake, wake up, up! What, what does, does that, that tell, tell you? you? Has now become a common phrase used globally by true Catholics as the key argument when engaging in apologetics with false religions. It's very exciting. So if you have not yet given it a go, do so, because it's free. It's fun for the whole family. And it's effective, because when you hit a defender of a false religion... Or an attacker of the true religion with a Wake, wake up! What does that tell you? Tell you, they simply have no answers because, because there, there are, are no answers. answers. Okay, Dan, here's an idea. Let's give our listeners a crash course in how to effectively employ that phrase. Look, have a go at my religion, Dan, and hit me hard. Hey, put on a strong British accent so you sound really intelligent. Okay, Damo, here goes. You Catholics have got it wrong. I follow everything in the Bible, whereas you Catholics have all these other so-called Catholic traditions which are not found anywhere in the Bible. Oh, is that right, mate? Do you think that everything we know about Christ and his church is contained only in the Bible? And not only that, do you take everything in the Bible literally? Well, I most certainly do. Well, if that's the case, why do you still have eyes, hmm? And, and why do you still have hands, hey? Or have you never committed a sin, mate? Because it says in the Bible that if the hand causeth you to sin, cut it off. Or if the eye causeth you to sin, pluck it out. But from what I can see, you still have both hands and a set of functioning eyes. And by the way, where in the Bible does it say that the Bible alone possesses the faith revealed by Christ? It doesn't, does it? In fact, where in the Bible does it use the word Bible? It doesn't, my friend, does it? No, it doesn't, mate. And it is therefore quite clear to all and sundry that you have no idea what you are talking about. In fact, your argument is completely nonsensical. And to that end, wake, wake up! What, what does, does that, that tell you? you? Beautiful, Damo. Pure poetry. Thanks, Dan. But listeners, before you use the answer Damo just gave, make sure your opponent isn't blind or has actually lost a hand in an electric saw accident, because if that is the case, he may have a half-reasonable comeback. <laughs> Good advice, Dan. Okay, it's your turn now. I'll be an SSPXer, or a resistance supporter, if you like. You ready? I'll just use a fair dinkum Aussie accent for this one. Go for it, Demo. Give it your best. Okay, here we go. You say over Carnus have lost faith in the church, Cobber. You run away from the problem instead of facing up to it by doing what you should be doing to restore the church to her former glory, mate. Christ said we'd never be without a pope, so you're just making up your own rules as you go, bloke. 
Is that right? Yeah, that's right, my old china plate. And you say to the carnists are all bitter and twisted, vitriolic and uncharitable. You say to the carnists are all raging psychos, mate. Well then, my very literate opponent, first of all, we never had faith in your modernist, naturalistic, humanistic, progressive, free-thinking, Freemasonic, counterfeit Catholic Church known as Vatican II, so don't even try to pull that one on me. Yeah, well, yeah. Second, if you want to take what the Church really teaches and place it on the shelf, that's your business, because your argument denies the doctrines of infallibility and indefectibility, to say the least, and therefore, you are denying Christ. Yeah, but... Third, you recognise that Vatican II, along with with all their anti-popes from John the 23rd through to Francis is the true church of Christ, but at the same time you resist it, which means you are resisting the true church instituted by Christ himself. Does that sound correct to you? Well, Does it? Well, Does it? Know, well, Fourth, uh, when did Christ say that we would never be without a pope? Give me the reference, or better still, the quote where Christ said that. But I'll tell you what, I'll save you the time, because he never said that. If that were the case, then Christ was proven to be a liar at the moment that St. Peter was martyred, and many times over at the death of each of St. Peter's successors. Because from the moment a pope dies, we have no pope until a successor is elected. That period is aptly called an interregnum. We still have the papacy, of course, but no pope until one is elected. Yeah. Finally, if the best you could come up with is that we who hold the state of Acanus position as the only logical and true position are bitter and twisted, vitriolic and uncharitable, and as you allude, all a bunch of raging psychos, in other words, you resort to an attack on the person instead of sticking to the argument, then you are resorting to ad hominem, and that approach clearly demonstrates that you have no argument against us using the teachings of Holy Mother Church, and on that basis, my dear friend, Wake up! What does that tell you? Oh, I love it, Dan. Just love it. In fact, tears are welling in my eyes. It's just great stuff. Well, thanks, Damo. Oh, it's invigorating, isn't it, Dan? Oh, it certainly is, Damo. So, listeners, give it a go. You'll be glad you did. Anyway, Damo, so in the true Church of Christ, you are excommunicated for simply being associated with the Freemasons, as clearly outlined in Canon 2335. But what if you are a member of the Vatican II, pretend Catholic Church, and you are found to be a Freemason? We covered that in the Zero Show too, didn't we? We certainly did, Dan. But as a refresher, if one is both a member of the Vatican II joke church and also found to have joined, quote, an association which plots against the church, you are to be punished with... Actually, can you make a trumpet sound, please, Dan? Da -da -da! A just penalty. However, a person who promotes or directs an association of this kind is to be punished with... Can you make another trumpet sound, please, Dan? Da -da -da! An interdict. Not an interdict, Damo. Yes, indeed he do, Dan. An interdict. And may I say, mate, you make the best trumpet sound in town. Well, thanks, Damo. And it is interesting that in Vatican II canon law, their code of 1983, there is no mention whatsoever of secret societies or, more specifically, the Freemasons. JP II did away with that when he instituted the False Church's canon law, specifically canon number 1374. Wake, Wake up! What, what does, does that tell you? you? Now, Demo, let's take a look at how the Vatican II pretend Catholic Church dishes out a quote-unquote just penalty. Okay, Dan, check this out. The US Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia died this year on Saturday the 13th of February under very suspicious circumstances, mind you. But it just so happens that he was a Novus Ordite, a Vatican II supporter, and at the same time, a member of a secret society known as the International Order of St. Hubert, 
a secret order founded in 1695, and the motto they use is, quote unquote, honouring God by honouring his creatures. Hmm, sounds a bit dodgy to me, Damo. So how exactly does the International Order of St. Hubert actually honour these creatures? Well, Dan, it's a really cute thing. They play a little game of hide-and-seek, where the creature hides and the member of the order does the seeking, but there is a very slight difference as compared to, say, the traditional hide-and-seek that you perhaps played when you were a little boy, Dan. Well, what's that, Damo? Well, instead of shouting, peekaboo, when the member of the order sights the creature, he cocks his ruger and... Now don't get me wrong, Dan, I love to hunt, okay? And let's face it, any man who doesn't like to hunt, well, he just hasn't gone long enough without a feed, really. But come on, honouring God by honouring his creatures? Yeah, and I bet your left foot, Demo, that they include man as creature. Mm. But how about honouring God by following his commandments? That's right, Dan. That might be a bit more efficacious than lining up a stag with a Ruger Hawkeye FTW Predator rifle and pumping it with a lead aspirin, don't you think? Mm, I do, Damo. And this is yet another good example of how these secret societies cannot help themselves. They have to take something wonderfully Catholic, in this case, the great Saint Hubert, who just happens to be patron saint of hunters, by the way, and use it as a false virtuous front, when in reality, they are a secret society which is totally condemned by the very institution to which St. Hubert was completely dedicated, the one holy, catholic and apostolic church. That's right, Dan. But that's how they confuse people, you see, and they will use any and every opportunity to attack the supernatural. Well, Demo, here's the sealer for the International Order of St. Hubert, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. The US chapter of the International Order of St. Hubert was launched in 1966 at the famous Bohemian Club oh, in San Francisco, right. which is, of course, associated with the all-male Bohemian Grove, the most well-known meeting place for secret societies in the USA. That's right, Dan. So, wake, wake up. up! What, what does, does that tell you? you? And boy, could we tell our listeners some stories about the things that these parasites get up to at Bohemian Grove. But we best let that one go through to the keeper for the time being. Yes. Now, Demo, according to cruxnow.com, Justice Scalia was described as a giant of American jurisprudence and a vocal defender of traditional Catholic morality. He was, by Vatican II standards, fiercely protective of religion's role in the public square, but he always insisted, of course, that his faith did not impact his judicial rulings. Right, okay, so, so it works like this. I am a true defender of traditional Catholic morality, but fear not. When I make decisions, I don't allow my faith to interfere. Yeah, right, that's completely in alignment with Catholic principles. Mm. And Damo, guess how the Vatican II False Church dealt with this Justice Scalia, member of a secret society, after he died? How did they deal with Justice Scalia after he died, Dan? Well, he received a Vatican II false funeral at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. And by the way, the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception is the largest quote-unquote Roman Catholic Church in North America and is one of the ten largest churches in the world. And Dan, apparently this shrine has been visited by Jorge Bergoglio, a.k.a. Pope, I'm full of fluff, Francis. That's right, Demo. And don't forget Joey Ratzinger, a.k.a. Pope Benedicto Contradicto Derelicto, <laughs> has made an appearance as well. Hey, there's a good Latin name for a dog, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's good. Hey, Benedicto Contradicto Derelicto, sit, boy, sit. Okay, outside you go before you do a Vatican II on the carpet. <laughs> 
Hey, look at this. I love to paint, but I ain't a saint. John Paul II also showed up at the shrine, along with the one and the only Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Oh, Devo, it sounds like it's party time at the shrine. Yeah, bring out the balloons, the clowns, and the Frankfurter red noses, and let's do it Vatican II style. It's another sort of feeling when they're dancing on the ceiling. Hey, check out Mother Teresa doing the moonwalk. Hey, yeah, look at Jorge and Benny the Rat doing the tango. Anyway, listeners, there's your Vatican II just punishment for being a member of a secret society, an institution whose main aim is to rid society of the supernatural. Justice Scalia gets a fully blown pretend requiem in the USA's largest church. And for someone like that, that's something to be proud of. But for us, Dan, a false requiem by a false priest of a false religion in a desecrated church is more than a just punishment for a true Catholic. That's, that's a, a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, hey, if you don't get out of that secret society and repent, well, we're going to make sure you get a funeral in the Basilica. <laughs> we are going to have flowers, music, the works. So lift your game, okay? <laughs> so, so, Dan, what do you think Vatican II dishes out as an interdict then? Not sure, Damo. Maybe you would be prohibited from attending this year's Sodomite Pride March. I mean, let's face it, that could be a huge penalty for those who are Nova Sodomites. That, that is true, Dan. Or maybe they will postpone your third marriage annulment for 20 minutes. Oh, that, I mean, that's tough, you know? Ooh, oh. Well, what about the SSPX and the Resistance demo? They are bound by JP2's 1983 Code of Canon Law as well. Mm. They have to be because they accept Vatican II as the true Church of Christ and Bergoglio as the true Vicar of Christ. So they have to go by the 1983 Vatican II Code of Canon Law. That's right. So I was wondering, what would the SSPX whack you with as an interdict? Oh, Dan, they, they wouldn't, would they? No, Damo, they couldn't, could they? Oh, Dan, I reckon they might. No way, Damo. Making you sit through that entire Conflict Zone interview with Tim Sebastian and Bishop Fallet. Go to YouTube and type in SSPX traditionalism or religious slur. I guarantee you will not find this interview on the SSPX website. To make one suffer through that is, well, that's beyond an interdict. That's pure torture. <laughs> Dan, if that was me, mate, I would adopt the SSPX approach to authority. What's that, Demo? Well, I would most certainly recognise the interdict, but at the same time, I would, without hesitation, resist it. <laughs> anyway, to get back to the topic, and as we alluded to earlier, the Behind the Lodge Door Zero show was an introduction to Freemasonry, and it really sets the stage for the rest of the Behind the Lodge Door series. That's right, Dan. The Zero show does set the scene. We spent most of that show talking about what Freemasonry is, but we didn't really get into any examples of what the Freemasons have actually done and in fact what they continue to do. That's right, Damo. Now, we did mention in the Zero Show that we are using the book which is titled Behind the Lodge Door, written by Paul A. Fisher. That's the book. <laughs> As a bit of a reference point, because this book gets to the heart of the Freemasonic influences which have been taking place in the United States since its very beginning, and given this condemned organisation is now found in almost every country in the world, we are seeing those very same influences, which have essentially carved out Western culture, being rolled out on a global scale. So the book in many ways encapsulates the standard modus operandi of Freemasonry and how the Masons have applied their false religion to what they refer as the American experiment, which is the key driver behind, West, uh, behind American culture and indeed all Western culture of today. And just a quick reminder that the book, Behind the Lodge Door, 
is available through True Restoration Press at just 14 US dollars for non-members of True Restoration and is available at a super price of just $10 US for members. A highly recommended purchase if you wish to get into the detail of how the Masons have shaped and continue to shape America. We will begin to go through the book and discuss its contents in detail starting in our next show, which is episode two of Behind the Lodge Door. So we recommend you buy the book sooner than later so you can go through it with us. We'd also love to hear your feedback on the book. So if you have any feedback, send it through and we'll read it out for you on the next show. These very same sinister Freemasonic principles we are referring to have been and continue to be rolled out throughout the globe. That's right. As we've mentioned earlier. Mm. But having said that, the good news is I am seeing some positive signs which suggest people are starting to cotton on to the fact that something very evil is at play. And we hope that this Behind the Lodge Door series will help you listeners out there gain a greater understanding of the aims, objectives and tactics of the Freemasons, but above all, how they went about usurping the papal throne and seemingly revolutionising Catholicism, the catalyst of course being the Second Vatican Council. On an encouraging note, I recently saw the details of a poll taken in the USA and it showed that only 6% of Americans actually trust the media. That's a good result because we know that the Freemasons control the media. Well, that is a positive sign, Dan, because identifying there is a problem is the first step to rectification. So that is good news. But it can't stop there, listeners. Action needs to be taken to create positive impact. And the best weapons to assist in the fight are obviously to be a member of the true Catholic Church. And of course, prayer and penance. Nothing else will fix the problem. The mess has gone too far down the track in my book. But most people seem to have no idea what it's all about, Damo. This dark secretive cloud which is overshadowing the world. And this is largely due to the successful social engineering program which has been forced upon us all in this modernist world since the day we were born. Correct, Dan. That social engineering program is designed to make us blind to reality because it makes us blind to the truth. That's its intended purpose, and it is achieving that purpose with a high level of success. And because we have been without a Vicar of Christ for over 50 years, Damo, and as a result, true Catholicity is, for the younger generations, and I include our generation in that, Damo, not something that is known, and on that basis it might appear that it has become out of reach for many. It seems that way, Dan, but we know, of course, that the truth is certainly within everyone's grasp through the mercy and love of God. But it is interesting to ponder on the fact that we don't actually know what it is like to live under a true Pope, true Catholic leadership, true guidance, governance and spiritual direction. That's true, Damo. But we do have an advantage over previous generations who have also been without a Holy Father because, thanks to New Age communications, specifically the Internet, we have fingertip access to so many true Catholic resources, including books, articles, sermons, conferences and resources, which of course include this True Restoration Radio initiative. And if one is willing to seek and learn, one can each day better understand the true faith, so long as one is only accessing information which is either approved, pre-Vatican II, and or one knows for a fact the material is completely in alignment with the teachings of Holy Mother Church. For example, the works of a cleric who is true to the faith. So further to that, listeners, here is a gem that I highly recommend. It is encyclical written by Pope St. Pius X called Pescendi Dominici Grigus, His Holiness's Encyclical on Modernism. We all know that Pope St. Pius X is thus far the greatest Catholic warrior to fight against modernism. And this encyclical, Pescendi, is the best expose of modernism ever produced. Excellent advice, Dan. Listeners, please read Pescendi. 
that document, it is, it is accessible, you can get it online. It is so relevant and so accurate that it could have been written yesterday. It is, as you say, Dan, the best expose you can get on modernism and the modernist Freemasonic agenda, which has been playing out more openly since the day Pope Pius XII died on the 9th of October, 1958. Now, if you cannot find the time to read or you lose both your eyes in an apologetic session with a Muslim, <laughs> the good news is you can download the True Restoration Radio series called the Popes Against Modern Errors, where the very effervescent yet calm and methodical Matt Gaskin hosts the very, um, the the very, uh, I, give me a good term to describe Bishop Sanborn, Dan. Ah, good on you, Damo. I like the way you handball that task onto me. <laughs> okay, I'll play it safe and say the most reverend Donald Sanborn. Playing it safe, Dan, playing it safe is a good way to go. Anyway, listeners, download the Popes Against Modern Errors series with Matt and Bishop Sanborn, and you can pop that one into your iPhone or what have you, and effortlessly listen to a full-scale discussion on the entire encyclical Pashendi. Now, Dan, Pope St. Pius X said in Pashendi that, quote, modernism is the synthesis of all heresies, unquote. And I think we can deduce that Vatican II, the pure, modernist, humanist, naturalist, Freemasonic religion, is indeed the synthesis of all heresies and or the operation of error that St. Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, where he states, quote, And in all seduction of iniquity to them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Therefore, God shall send them the operation of error to believe lying, unquote. Now, I must stress, Dan, it is only my opinion, but if Vatican II isn't the operation of error, we know for sure that it is an operation of error. No true and informed Catholic would argue with that. You can't argue with that, Damo. Hey, Damo, give us an example of a lie promulgated by a Vatican II modernist Freemasonic operation of error religion, that synthesis of all heresies. Oh, Dan, where do you start? Uh, okay, here's one that springs to mind. You ready? Okay. Christ died for everyone, which means everyone goes to heaven regardless of religion or moral code. Yeah, Damo, sin and sin boldly, as Luther said, and you will be saved. <laughs> There's no hell. Everyone goes to heaven, apart from the really bad dudes who get annihilated when they pass on. <laughs> That's it, Dan. Your turn. You, you come up with that. Uh, okay, Damo, how about this one? Sodomites have gifts and qualities to offer the Catholic oh. Church. Oh, not that one. Oh, you know what I'd be saying, Dan? Give me the receipt for that gift because I'm taking it back to the store. Okay, here's another one, Dan. There is no Catholic God, but God is the God of surprises. Whoa. But there's more. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. The no? apostles loved him so much that after he died, he was resurrected in their hearts. Oh. And another, here's another. The true miracle of the loaves and fishes was that the 5,000 people shared their food. <laughs> yeah, right. Here you go, friend. I caught this codfish last Monday and I've been carrying it in this little bag neatly tucked under my armpit for the past three days. Want to try some? <laughs> uh, nah, she'll be right, mate. Thank you. How about this doozy demo? Bergoglio isn't putting on weight. Oh, Dan, come on. They're, they're not trying to sell us that one, are they? Oh, apparently so, Davo. No way. That's a shocker. Everyone can see that Burger... Burger, sorry. I mean, Burgo has been raiding the Vatican pantry every time the cook's on a break. Well, Damo, you know that Bergoglio has instituted the Doors of Mercy, right? Yes, Dan. And the Gates of Mercy. 
Yes, Dan. Well, apparently every time he goes past a McDonald's restaurant, he starts jumping for joy and yells out, the golden arches of mercy, the golden arches of mercy. <laughs> yeah, and every time he does that, they need to replace the shock absorbers on the Nope-mobile. <laughs> he certainly needs to ease up on the Big Macs and the large fries, Dan, because if he's not careful, I reckon he's soon going to have a bunch of smaller, plump anti-popes orbiting around him. <laughs> That's right, Damo. They're going to have to bring back the Hindenburg and strap him to the top just to get him home from the Vatican each night. <laughs> Yeah. It's a very large concern, Dan, and it doesn't seem to be going away in a hurry. Soon the only photographs of him will be with a panoramic lens. And it'll have to be an aerial shot. <laughs> now, Demo, Pope Pius X also said the following about these modernist, Freemasonic, agenda-pushing clerics, which were gaining a huge amount of traction even well before his election on the 4th of August 1903. Quote, We must now break silence in order to expose before the whole church, in their true colours, those men who have assumed this bad disguise. Unquote. And that is something we are trying to do through this Behind the Lodge Door series. Expose them before the whole church because perhaps our listeners are not aware that the large majority of cardinals and bishops who attended and voted on the various Vatican II schemas which resulted in the Vatican II documents were in fact Freemasons. That is correct, Dan. Here are just a few examples, and before we read them out, I must stress again that we all keep in mind that if one is a Freemason or a member of any secret society for that matter, then one is ipso facto a dead non-member of the Catholic Church. So with that in mind, one has no rights, even as a cleric, and therefore one in such a state cannot take part in the election of a pope. One cannot take part in a council. Certainly the Holy Ghost would not recognise the contribution of such a non-Catholic in a council. And by the way, in order to become a Pope, one must be male, sane and Catholic. So just keep all that in mind. Will do, Damo. Anyway, here are a few names. One, Agostino Cardinal Casaroli, Secretary of State, Prefect of the Sacred Congregation of Public Affairs and of the Sacred Congregation of Bishops and of the Pontifical Commission for the Revision of Canon Law member of the Commission for Russia and of the Commission for Latin America. The most influential prelate in the Vatican after the Pope, whose place he takes during the absence of the Pope. Casaroli was known as the Kissinger of Vatican Diplomacy. Mm. This mason was initiated into the secret society on September the 28th, 1957. His secret code name was Casa. Now, it must be noted that a Freemasonic cleric generally gets a code name, and this usually incorporates the first two letters of the cleric's name. Okay, here's another one, Dan. Leon Joseph Cardinal Suenens, primate of Belgium, member of the Pontifical Commission for the Revision of Canon Law. He was active in the Sacred Congregation for Propaganda, Fide, the Sacred Congregation of Rites and Ceremonies, and the Sacred Congregation of Seminaries and University Studies. Suenens was a delegate and moderator of Vatican II and was associated with charismatic Protestant Pentecostalism. He was initiated into the secret society on June the 15th, 1967. Codename, Le Zoo. Ah, we could go on and on, Demo, but I'll mention one more, and that is the very prominent Cardinal Annabel Bonini, who played a major role in Vatican II, particularly behind the scenes. An absolute raging modernist. In the 1960s, he was secretary of the Concilium, an internal organisation whose aim was to implement the reform of the liturgy the path for which had been paved via Vatican II. Bernini also had another role, which was to control the renewal of the church. He was found out to be a Mason in 1972, and the circumstances were such that it became public knowledge very quickly, 
and this came to the attention of his buddy Paul the Sixth. And did Paul the Sixth excommunicate him, Damo? Nope. Did Paul the Sixth give him a just punishment, Damo? No. Did Paul the Sixth perhaps give him three lashes with a shoelace, Damo? <laughs> no. Instead of excommunicating Brother Bawan, which was uh, Benini's code name, by the way. Paul VI appointed him as apostolic pronuncio in Iran under the appearances of being exiled. That was how the commie Paul VI dealt with the situation of his brother Buwan in order to stop the spread of scandal. Wake, Wake up! What, what does, does that, that tell, tell you? you? Damo, we could go on and on and name many, many more Mason clerics who played their specific role in Vatican II to a T. Mm. But suffice to say, anyone who does not acknowledge the fact that Vatican II was the culmination of the Freemasonic plot to take over the structure of and direct the Church, indeed take hold of the most important position on earth, the Pope of course, then such a person is either in denial or is simply not educated in what took place at that time and why. And after 50 years, Damo, imagine taking our Freemason detection device into the Vatican today. Oh, Dan, it'd start to glow red hot the minute your aircraft touched down in Rome. On Freemason, Freemason, no doubt. Now, there's something I thought might be worthwhile sharing with the listeners at this point. It's something which Our Lady stated a few centuries ago. Well, that sounds very interesting, Dan. Please go ahead. Okay, well, on January the 20th, 1610, Our Lady appeared to Mother Mariana, a conceptionist sister from Quito, Ecuador. The Blessed Virgin was carrying a crozier in her right hand and her divine son in her left arm, so that, as she said, quote, All will know that I am merciful and understanding. Let them come to me, for I will lead them to him. Unquote. She told Mother Mariana that in the 20th century, quote, The passions will erupt and there will be a total corruption of customs, for Satan will reign almost completely by means of the Masonic sects. They will focus particularly on the children in order to achieve this general corruption. Woe to the children of these times, unquote. Wow, that's powerful, damn. What more needs to be said? I mean, what was Our Lady's title for that apparition, by the way? Uh, the title is Our Lady of Good Success. Mm, I, I know we have to move on, but I'd like to pause and just soak up that message. Satan will reign almost completely by means of the Masonic sects. Well... I pray that Our Lady assists us, Dan, to deliver the right message about those Masonic sects to our listeners through this program. Mm. Hear, hear, Damo. Our Lady said this in 1610, and here we are 400 years later, actually living through that prophecy. Yes, it's certainly something to think about, Dan. Okay, listeners, we would like to remind you that you are listening to Episode 1 on the Behind the Lodge Door series on member-supported Restoration Radio. We are your hosts, Dan. And Damo. And today we've been discussing Freemasonry. All right, Dan, let's get down to business on this Episode 1 of Behind the Lodge Door. Good idea, Damo. Listeners, we mentioned earlier that we have already covered, to a certain degree... How did you get that one, Damo? A certain degree. <laughs> I got it, Dan. I got it. And wow, it's getting hot in here. I mean, what do you think the temperature is in this room? Damn, I reckon it's 33 degrees <laughs> Celsius, that is. No, you're not wrong, Dan. In fact, I would go as far as to say you are totally right. Totally Scottish right about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've already covered what a Freemason is and what the Freemasonic movement aims to achieve. But it's now time that we take a closer look at some of the specific activities that the Freemasons have conducted so that our listeners can become more conversant with the sort of tactics used by the Masons. 
To that end, I think we can go straight to the French Revolution of 1789, whilst at the same time touching on the American Revolution and its significance in all of this. Well, that's a massive topic, Dan. We, we couldn't possibly cover the entire French Revolution in a single program, though. Fear not, Damo. We won't give a complete history lesson on the French Revolution because that's not what this show is about. So on that note, you are also right. Totally Scottish, right? <laughs> because to give it justice, we would probably need to dedicate two or three shows to the French Revolution alone. Besides, any interested listener can study the details of that revolution, as there's plenty of information out there. Mm. In this show, however, we will stick to our topic and concentrate on the influence exerted by the Freemasons during that time period and use that as a talking piece to uncover some of the high-level tactics they use. And by high-level, I mean how they can steer an entire country in the direction they want it to take. I also think we should cover the French Revolution straight up, not just because it is clear that the Freemasons played a major role in that revolution, but I think we can say with confidence that the revolution has never ceased. That's an interesting angle, Dan. What's your rationale for saying that the French Revolution has never ceased? Well, I believe that that is a case, Demo, because the French Revolution is as alive today as it was in 1789, and not just in spirit, but in operation. Very easy to prove. Although it is now more of a global clandestine type of operation conducted through a highly organised social engineering program using predictive programming techniques, mass media propaganda, entertainment such as sports, music and theatre to dull the mind and other tools such as terrorism to pound the people with Freemasonic control measures in order to direct the way people think. They operate this way, listeners, because they know that by controlling the way people think, they can also control the emotions. And if they can control the emotions, then they have the power to pretty much make people do whatever they need them to do. Additional to that, Demo, given the Masons are in control at the highest levels of government, big business, big finance and religion, they have the means to employ their tactics nowadays with little resistance. Although, on a much larger and technologically advanced scale, their tactical approach is very similar to those they used prior to and during the French Revolution. I agree, Dan, and a perfect example of exactly what you are talking about in terms of employing their tactics with little resistance is this whole terrorism thing that you mentioned. I mean, this really took hold on 9-11 as a direct result of the supposed attacks on the World Trade Center. Wake up! What does that tell you? Come on. I mean, that which the modern world has come to know as terrorism is a complete fabrication. Terrorism is a fantastic tool for the Masons because with that one word, they actually control people. And most people don't even know it. Think about it. When they want to keep us all on edge, which is pretty much all the time now, or get us to direct our attention away from what they are really up to and have us focus on something else, all they have to do is simply state that a terrorist attack is imminent. Or worse, create a terrorist attack event and blame it on a radical Muslim with a titanium passport <laughs> and using the threat of terrorism as the excuse. Well, they've used that one to get neighbours to spy on each other because to the totalitarian governments, we, the people of our own nations, are the terrorists. That's why. And starting with the USA, there are now anti-terrorist laws which allow governments to turn their own military against their fellow countrymen. Governments also use terrorism as their patsy every time they create a false flag event. Well, that's right, Davo. The Masons struck gold with terrorism. But can you explain to our listeners what you mean by a false flag? Sure, Dan. For the benefit of our listeners who may not have heard that term, a false flag, 
It is the term used to describe a covert operation which is designed to deceive the people in such a way that the operation appears as though it is being carried out by an entity, group, or even a nation other than those who actually planned and executed the operation. It's different to a hoax because unlike a hoax, no one dies. But with a false flag event, people die. Yep, you guessed it, a Freemasonic tactic. The false flag phenomenon is used as an ideological weapon to control populations with the fear of a manufactured enemy. 9-11 is by far the exemplar. That single event changed the world. The Bali bombing was another example. And closer to home, Dan, the Port Arthur massacre is another great example. Mm. Do you remember the saying, Damo, believe none of what you hear and half of what you see? I do, Dan. Well, I think that when it comes to the modern mainstream media, we can safely say, believe nothing at all. I second that, Dan. In fact, for the past three years, I personally have not accepted anything that mainstream media has put out as true. And let me tell you, my eyes are now wide open. I mean, come on, we, we know who is in full control of the media, so why play into their hands? There are plenty more recent examples out there uh, that the interested listener can find. And when you do, just ask yourself, why are they doing this? But above all, Dan, the Masons have used terrorism to strip us of our freedom. And how good are they? They barely had to ask, and we simply handed it over to them. And why did we do that? Because they control the way we think. And they have trained us to believe that we need the government and the United Nations to protect us, and that those Masonic-run institutions will create the sort of world that we are all brainwashed to long for. A world of total peace and harmony, essentially a heaven on earth, which of course will never happen. Now, don't forget listeners, the aim of Freemasonry is to primarily rid society of the supernatural in order to pave the way to achieving their ultimate aim of global control. And what is the best way to rid society of the supernatural, Dan? Take over the Catholic Church. And what's the best way to take over the Catholic Church? Take over the papacy. On that note, Damo, check this out, and I quote, Catholicism must be destroyed throughout the whole world. Prowl about the Catholic sheepfold and seize the first lamb that presents itself in the required conditions. Go even to the depths of the convents. In a few years, the young clergy will have, by the force of events, invaded all the functions. They will govern, administer, and judge. They will be called upon to choose the pontiff who will reign, and the pontiff, like the greater part of his contemporaries, will be necessarily imbued with the principles which we are about to put into circulation. It is a little grain of mustard which we will place in the earth, but the sun of justice will develop it to become a great power, and you will see one day what a rich harvest that little seed will produce." Unquote. And Damo, the sun of justice is Lucifer, and his harvest is here as we speak. Interesting, Dan. I wonder which organisation made that statement back in the early 1800s. And Dan, what about the permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita? Listeners, look that one up. The permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita is a document which was originally published in Italian in the 19th century by the highest lodge of the Italian Carbonari. It outlines the Masonic plan to infiltrate the Catholic Church, and it is so important that Catholics be aware of its existence and its contents that Popes Pius IX and Leo XIII both asked for it to be published so that Catholics were made aware and therefore forewarned. And did Catholics heed the warning, David? Well, obviously not, Dan, because look at the state of the 1.2 billion people who call themselves Catholic today. But hey, we and our listeners are still here, so let's keep ourselves informed. Now, Demo, 
Here is an excerpt from a speech given by a Monsignor Joan on December the 8th, 1930. Have a listen to this. Quote, Papacy and Freemasonry, those are the two powers active throughout the world, and each is seeking to dominate it. The solution of the struggle taking place between them is, at the present moment, of the utmost importance, for we are face to face not only with the crossroads of history, but also a radical transformation of humanity itself. Either Roman Catholicism will lift us up again to the level of Christian civilization, or else Judeo-Masonry will drag us down the path of barbarism and decadent paganism. The whole world oscillates between the two, Christianism and paganism. On December the 8th, 1892, Pope Leo XIII wrote to the Italian Episcopal hierarchy and stated, It is necessary to fight Freemasonry with those weapons of divine faith which in past ages vanquished paganism. Monsignor Juan continues, Moreover, the papacy and Judeo-Masonry are both so fully conscious of the diametrically opposed parts that they are playing that they assume that from it must issue the political, economic, intellectual and religious future of individuals as well as of nations. It is a fact that the better proof of it is their irreducible antagonism towards each other. What is indeed Judeo-Masonry today if not the concentration and mobilization of all evil forces. This sect, with its threefold claim of being counter-church against the church, counter-state against the state, and counter-morality against traditional morality, takes pride in being above all, and for all times, the enemy of the Catholic Church. One of its rallying calls is that of Tigrotto, one of the Alta Vendita chiefs who in 1822 proclaimed Catholicism must be destroyed throughout the entire world. With Tigrotto, also the anti-Catholic plan is expressed thus, let us conspire only against Rome. Crystal clear, Dan. And I also read recently a statement by a prominent Mason around mid-1800 who stated that, quote, all interim victories would be hollow until a Pope who is part of our ultimate design, is occupying Peter's chair. Ah. Unquote. Mm. Damo, I reckon we've just topped the charts with a gold-plated, Wake up! What does that tell you? You see, listeners, the Masons, believe it or not, have a great deal of respect for the Catholic Church. They hate Catholicism and everything we stand for in Christ, but they respect the Church because what other organisation, or to put it crudely, what other empire has survived for 2,000 years? And they are correct. It does not matter what the Masons achieve so long as the true Church is alive, and she always will be. They cannot achieve their aim without owning the papacy. They not only need their man at the top, but it is imperative to their plan that the world recognises him as the legitimate occupant of the papal throne. So listeners, keep that in mind throughout this series and everything we say will make sense. And that, Dan, is a positive thought for anyone with any fears about the global Masonic tactics. Stay true to the doctrines of our holy faith and live as a Catholic should. Apply Catholic principles to every facet of your life and you have nothing to fear. Damo, it's interesting how Monsignor Juan refers to the secret society as Judeo-Masonry. Dan, shh. We weren't going to let on just yet that the Masons are ultimately a Zionist organisation and that the Masonic organisation is itself a puppet just like the Communists and the Illuminati. We were going to get to that in a later show. Sorry, Damo. It's just that I think the listeners can handle the fact. And you know how much I love to share rich information. I do, Dan. I really do, mate. We don't want to cause confusion at this early stage of the program, though, do we? No, I guess you're right, Damo. We won't tell them about all that just yet. Let's get back to the show. 
Okay, Dan, good idea. Let's get back to the show. <coughs> oh, <coughs> yes, have a good day today, Dan. Oh, yes, yes. The uh, weather was beautiful, it? wasn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, how's about the footy? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, Damo, the French Revolution. Yes, Dan, let's get back to the French Revolution. Lead the way. Okay, Damo. In January of 1789, the King of France, Louis XVI, called for an assembly known as the Estates General, which included the key elements of society, such as the nobility, the clergy, and also the working class. The aim was to vote on certain issues of the country, including the writing of a new constitution, taxation reform, and changes in the governmental structure. However, the king had no idea that in convening this assembly, he had essentially opened the floodgates to allow the ideals of the Masonic revolutionaries to take hold of France. France being the eldest daughter of the church, by the way. And this would, of course, change the direction of France for the worse. And to this day, the spirit and operation of the Freemasonic agenda has reigned. During the assembly, when the king began to see that the majority of the attendees were bent towards substantial change as opposed to merely bringing about some improvements, he became rather concerned and tried to take back control in order to bring the agenda back on track, but it was too late. Something else had control, and that something else was like a raging torrent which sought changes to France which were beyond reasonable. The changes sought were radical and comprehensive. That something else was the plot of the secret society coming to life. On the 14th of July, 1789, mutinous troops who had been infected with the poison of Freemasonry attacked the Bastille. The Bastille had been constructed in 1370 as a fortification to protect Paris from an English attack as the French had been at war with the British for many years. Now this royal fortress was also a symbol of the monarchy and along with its hatred for the church, Freemasons detest all monarchs mainly because of their authority which gives them the power to make decisions which affect the majority. This is demonstrated in a ritual undertaken by the high-level Masons, and we can expand on that at a later date. But we can say that the attack on the Bastille in many ways really marked the physical beginning of the French Revolution, which overthrew the king and many tens of thousands of people, and in fact resulted in the execution of the King of France, Louis XVI, and his wife, Marie Antoinette. This period had also come to be known as the Reign of Terror. Heads of those who opposed the radical changes were on the chopping block almost every minute of the day. We must remember that the main aim of the French Revolution was to de-Christianise the country. Dan, here is an example which supports what you are saying. Known as the Martyrs of Compiègne, 16 members of the Carmelite nuns of Compiègne, France, who refused to obey the civil constitution of the clergy of the revolutionary government, which mandated the suppression of their convent, were condemned as traitors and guillotined on the 17th of July, 1794, during the Reign of Terror, and buried in a mass grave at Picpus Cemetery. Some accounts state that they all sang the Salve Regina as they mounted the scaffold to meet their death. The novice of the community, Sister Constance, was the first to die, then the lay sisters and externs, and so on, ending with the prioress, Mother Teresa of St. Augustine, OCD. But Dan, the key goals of the French Revolution were to achieve liberty, equality, and fraternity for all, supposedly. I say supposedly because Joe Blow, your average punter, believed that he was taking part in the revolution to bring about these things which he understood were good things. Good things for him, that is. That's what happens when you are infected by modernist, humanist, Freemasonic principles. You just go along in the belief that you are fighting for the right cause, a cause which will benefit you. But what your average Joe Blow didn't know was that he was really assisting a secret society being used and abused as a tool to stamp out Christianity and take over every facet of control of the country. 
Oh, that's right, Damo. Now, in and of themselves, liberty, equality and fraternity are good when applied in a Catholic context, but we must not lose sight of the fact that their meaning and application as they pertain to the modern world are Freemasonic and therefore the antithesis of the Catholic definition for each. No surprise there, Dan. The free-thinking Masons have worked hard to reshape culture, to reshape thinking in society, as we touched on earlier. And I guess they believe that in redefining, in the eyes of the world, philosophies, attitudes, ideas, and even single words to meet their own ends, then they will, over time, systematically change the way people think. And guess what? They are right, because that is exactly what they did in getting people to revolt in France, and it's exactly what they continue to do today by getting people to revolt essentially against the supreme authority, God himself. Is this tactic not in alignment with the approach taken by the modernist clergy leading up to Vatican II? Is this not clearly evident in the documents of Vatican II? And is this not evident in the multiplication of heresies that we see spewing out of the Vatican II religion every single day? Ah, uh, well, that's it, Davo. The way people think today, because they have been trained to do so, is essentially that the universe revolves around them and that they should have access to whatever pleases them, away with the true God. And why? Because I am God. Total atheism under the guise of liberty, equality and fraternity. And why do they think this way? Because the Masons have brainwashed them to believe that it is good, right and just. I think man has become antichrist as a result of embracing the rights of man. Modern man truly believes he is now enlightened, whereas the human race prior to, say, 300 years ago, knew nothing. I think you are Scottish right there, Timo. Uh, I that knew. <laughs> Now, the modern definition for liberty, equality and fraternity, or brotherhood if you like, are humanistic, completely self-centric and totally antagonistic towards the authority of Christ. A key reason why the Masons always set out to separate church and state. There's another tactical gem that they have set out to achieve, and they have. It is important for them to separate church and state for many reasons, but one important reason is that by doing so, it allows the Freemasonic-controlled state to educate the general populace in morality, which explains why it is now quite all right and in, some, and in fact virtuous to live in a same-sex union situation. But put your empty plastic milk container in the wrong bin and you're a sinner. Oh, look out. And that is what the youth of today believe as the truth, because let's not forget, the youth are the main target. Get them young, and you've got them for life. And there is another Freemasonic tactic. Now, Demo, where else do we find this triad of the Enlightenment, Liberty, Equality, and Fraternity? Well, Dan, certainly the American Declaration of Independence, which was signed and promulgated in 1776, which is 13 years before the French Revolution began, that declaration embodies the triad of Enlightenment, which is all about the so-called rights of man. Well, Demo, listen to this. Quote, the true revolution was not to defy one earthly power, but to declare principles that stand above every earthly power, the equality of each person before God, and the responsibility of government to secure the rights of all. Unquote. And who did I just quote? None other than George W. Bush. Not bad coming from a frequenter to the Bohemian Grove and a member of the very dark, mysterious and elitist Freemasonic sect, the Skull and Bones. Mm. Now I see what you mean, Dan, when you say that the French Revolution has not stopped. But the more I think about it, the more I conclude that the true revolution, as George W. Bush calls it, is not the French or the American Revolution. It is the religious revolution. Mm. 
It's such a striking parallel demo that one could easily conclude that the Freemasonic aims and objectives of the American Revolution were like a blueprint for the French Revolution in terms of the push to rile the people and incite a revolt against authority, in effect, to create a rebellion. And to take that further, Dan, we have alluded to the fact that the Freemasons call the USA the American Experiment. Perhaps the American Revolution was a trial balloon, a test case to see how the general populace would respond, if they could be manipulated, if their thinking and subsequent actions could be forged to assist the Freemasons with their agenda. After all, the trial balloon is, you guessed it listeners, another one of their tactics. Hmm, I believe that to be the case, Damo, but in relation to rights, if we humans have any rights at all, they are only God-given rights. And they are given to us on the premise that we accept the responsibilities which go with them. Whereas today most people want their so-called rights, but at the same time do not accept or take responsibility for anything really, certainly not for any negative impact they create when exercising their so-called rights. That's true, Dan, but let's not beat around the George W. Bush. <laughs> when you boil it all down, the main right that modern man wants is the right to sin and sin boldly without being made to feel guilty. The revolution is indeed a revolt against the authority of our heavenly king. And in relation to, quote, being made to feel guilty, unquote, let's face it, a sinner does not get that feeling from anyone else. That comes from within his own conscience, which will never cease to gnaw away. That gnawing of the conscience is actually a gift from God calling them to repent and get their soul in order. Now, there are two considerations which spring to mind, Dan, in relation to this. First of all, man tends towards corruption as a result of the effects of original sin. So his inclination is to spiral deeper and deeper into depravity where he does not maintain his soul in the state of grace. So given we live in the age of continual revolution, the age of Freemasonry and atheism, the sinning is not going to reach some sort of you know, threshold or limit. It is simply going to become more depraved without limits. No real surprise with that one. But secondly, some listeners may not be aware that this process of moral degradation is contrived. It is no accident. It is required as part of the grand plan, but to expand on that would require a dedicated show. Now, Damo, I'm glad we mentioned the American Revolution because this is an extremely important factor in relation to how the French Revolution came about and how it relates to the Freemasonic movement and in particular their tactics. It illustrates to a T how the Freemasons have the ability and capacity to manipulate whole countries if need be to achieve their objectives which contribute to their ultimate aim. The American War of Independence would not have been won were it not with the assistance of the European Freemasons, more specifically the assistance provided by the French who provided a large amount of manpower, arms and high level leadership. Now, America's first lodge was established in Philadelphia in 1730. Interesting, by the way, that Bergoglio just had to go to Philadelphia when he went to the USA last year. Mm. Just saying. Anyway, Benjamin Franklin was a member of the Philadelphia Lodge, and it was Franklin who did the deal with European Freemasons to help bring on the revolution through waging a propaganda campaign drumming up support for the American Revolution throughout Europe. That is how connected the Mason Brotherhood is. Franklin and his Masonic mates changed the public perception about revolutions which were once seen as a crime against society, but now as a step towards world progress. One of the most notable Frenchies who travelled to America and assisted Washington to succeed was the Mason Marquis de Lafayette, a highly active advocate for the rights of man. Indeed, a city in Indiana was subsequently named after this particular Mason. 
Oh, what city is that, Dan? Um, Lafayette, David. <laughs> you know what, Dan? That makes perfect sense because his first name was Gilbert, and that just doesn't have a city ring to it. No. Hey, Damo, I'm heading down to Gilbert this weekend. Want to come? <laughs> Actually, Dan, we better be careful because there is indeed a town in Arizona called Gilbert, and we don't want to upset any listeners who reside there. Mm, no. Hey, all, all you listeners out there in Gilbert, hey. you've got a great town, and we're happy to have you on board. Oh, love your town. You know, Damo, a 1940 editorial in the New Age, a Freemasonic publication, boasted that it was Masons who brought on the War of Independence and saw it to its conclusion. In fact, the famous Boston Tea Party was actually a recessed meeting of the Masonic Lodge. Oh, there you go. And yet another Freemasonic tactic is to create a problem and then appear as the knights in shining armour who gallop into the picture with a solution to fix the given problem. Here is a basic but relevant example. Given they own the large pharmaceutical companies, they will release a new disease or flu bug, pandemic, SARS is a good example, and then they will sit back and watch the world go into panic mode. Then at exactly the appointed time, they come out with a supposed vaccine, the vaccine which they had sitting on the shelf even before they released the disease. And who knows what the heck is in these vaccines? Yeah, it could be nothing. could be something. Who knows? Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Large Farmer, for coming to our rescue. Oh, where would we be without you? Yes. <laughs> they employ this tactic with diseases. They employ it with terrorism. They employ it with financial crises. And they can employ it with a revolution. They did it then, and they're doing it now, Damo. Dan, we know France had a long-term rivalry with Britain, and with a thirst for revenge for its humiliating territorial losses during the Seven Years' War, France began sending supplies to America in support of George Washington in 1775. Some might say the French did this to save some face and win back some credibility, but, but from what you were saying, it was more than that. It was indeed all about achieving the de-Christianisation of countries. And by the way, Spain and the Netherlands also joined France as allies to George Washington, whereas, on the other hand, the British had no allies. So France appeared to have obtained its revenge by playing a key role in winning the War of Independence. However, what France appeared to have gained in terms of self-esteem, it lost in terms of material. France was left with over 1 billion livres in debt. Livres was the currency at the time. And this had serious effects, particularly on the working class, who were predominantly the people used to claw back the national debt through higher taxes. This naturally created a major morale decline and an increased spirit of rebellion in France. And so the people were primed to revolt. And they did. Correct, Damo. So listeners, the American and French revolutions did not just happen. They were the result of manipulation on a grand scale. And to that end, they were precursors to the revolution known as Vatican II. In 1798, Abbe Augustin de Beuel, a man who attained the degree of Master Mason, who supposedly broke free from the Brotherhood, wrote a very interesting book with a very boring title called Memoirs Illustrating the History of Jacobinism. The Jacobins were a political group advocating equalitarian democracy during the French Revolution. In that book he revealed that before the French Revolution, a group of nefarious people from very diverse backgrounds called philosophers had banded together under the banner of anti-Christianity. Their goal was approached strategically and was to overturn every altar where Christ was adored. And these so-called philosophers label themselves the sophisters of impiety, or otherwise known as the anti-Christian conspiracy, who later formed a coalition with the Freemasons. Mm. From this coalition came the sophisters of impiety and anarchy. Sounds like they could have been a heavy metal band, Damon. Yeah, Dan, or a skinhead soccer club. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm the goalkeeper for the sophisters of impiety and anarchy. <laughs> yeah, for kicks, we go and set fire to a Catholic church after football training. <laughs> yes. Anyway, the sophisters of impiety and anarchy conspired against every religion, every government, all civil society and all property. The sophisters of impiety and anarchy in turn teamed up with the Illuminés, in other words the Illuminati, from which sprang the Jacobins, uh -huh. mm, the great advocates of liberty, equality and fraternity. Although this philosophy was believed to have originated in England, it was, in reality, old-fashioned timeless liberalism which dovetailed beautifully into the strategy of Freemasonry. My will be done, not God's. Voltaire, a French Enlightenment writer, historian, philosopher, and of course a Freemason, was famous for his attacks on the Catholic Church. He stated rather arrogantly that he could prove that one man, meaning himself of course, could overthrow Christianity. Well, listeners, here we are 300 years later, and you wouldn't believe it, but Voltaire is dust and Christianity lives on. <laughs> Christianity won, Voltaire nil. <laughs> Voltaire, you may recall, was the man who famously said, I may disagree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. <laughs> when, you, when you say, Dan, Christianity won Voltaire zero, it sounds like a, sounds like a soccer match. Mm, yes. Yeah, maybe he was playing for the, uh, the sophisters of impiety and anarchy. I think he was, yes. <laughs> um, well, that's a soccer match with a really good result. Um, but a very pompous bit of rhetoric from an evidently arrogant man. Uh, as a side note, Voltaire, which was his code name, his real name was Francois-Marie Arrette, was introduced into the lodge by Benjamin Franklin. Uh -huh. Interestingly, the former Grand Commander of the Scottish Rite, uh -huh. Okay the New, also asserted that the secret movers of the French Revolution had sworn upon the tomb of de Malay to overthrow throne and altar. Then, when King Louis XVI of France was executed in 1793, the hard work was already done and the new way forward had been paved, and from that time all efforts could be centred on taking over the Catholic Church by taking over the papacy. And who was de Molay? I hear you ask, Damon. I do. He was the 23rd and last Grand Master of the Knights Templar. Mm. He led the order from the 20th of April 1292 until it was dissolved by the order of Pope Clement V in 1307. King Philip IV, also known as Philip the Fair, because apparently he was a very handsome rooster, had <laughs> de Molay burnt at the scaffold on an island in the River Seine in front of Notre Dame in Paris. And why would the secret societies of the French Revolution swear upon the tomb of the last Grand Master of the Knights Templar? I hear our listeners asking Demo. I can hear them. Well, that is indeed an important piece of the Freemasonic puzzle, but unfortunately... Time does not permit me to go deeper into that today. Dan, here is another interesting point. The most sustained list of clerics belonging to French secret societies, which covers a few decades preceding the French Revolution, numbers some 256 members. That's 256 non-Catholics, 256 revolutionary pretend Catholics in control of the Catholic Church in France at the time. So listeners... The next time you hear someone say, Vatican II was a pastoral council and its aim was not to revolutionise Catholicism, oh no, and that we may not necessarily like the results of the council, but it all came about suddenly and we simply have to stick with it and hope for a turnaround sooner than later. Well, we need to instruct the ignorant, which is indeed a spiritual work of mercy. No doors, no gates of mercy or McDonald's golden arches required for that one. <laughs> The aim of Vatican II was exactly that, 
for the Masons to revolutionize the Catholic Church through infiltration, just as they had done at the time of the French Revolution. And that is what their aim has been ever since. And with that demo, I think we could close out this episode one. What do you think? I agree, Dan. But before we do, would you mind providing a summary of the key points we discussed today? Sure, Demo. Well, we did cover a lot of ground, but we set out today to give you listeners out there a deeper understanding of the tactics used by Freemasons to essentially take control of our minds and our actions. We also discussed Bergoglio's weight challenges, but that's probably not the most (laughs) important point. The key point is that Masons are smart, dedicated, patient, ruthless, and passionately driven to achieve their aim of de-Christianizing civilization. And they believe that the best way to do that is to rid society of the supernatural and in doing so, turn man away from God. And although we don't like it at all, we have to acknowledge that they really have done thus far a very effective job. We also outlined a number of tactics that they've used in the past, such as at the time of the French Revolution, and some of the tactics they use today in order to get their own way. Whether it be the creation of a false flag or the infiltration of an organisation, they know how to plan and execute a strategy. We mentioned earlier that the Zero episode of Behind the Lodge Door was very much an introduction about Freemasonry, in basic terms what it is, whereas today's show, episode one, was more about what they do. And to that end, I hope both shows complement each other. And hello again to all our listeners in Gilbert, Arizona. Thanks, Dan. That's a good summary. And did you know that in 1980, here's a tidbit of information for you. In 1980, the population of Gilbert was 5,717. And in 2010, it was 208,000. Wow, what growth. Oh, you can learn so much on Behind the Lodge Door. Dan, is there anything else you would like to add before we close out this episode? Nothing too major, but um, I think it's interesting the amount of conspiracy theories that are available on, say, YouTube, for instance, a lot of which are completely stupid. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think that um, perhaps the Freemasons are trying to pollute the well by throwing in a whole bunch of disinformation? Well, I would agree with that entirely. In fact, in doing research for this show, what, it, what we find, listeners, quite often... of the information out there, and in particular the YouTubes, are actually produced by the Freemasons, Mm. which is very interesting. Information on on conspiracies, you mean? Well, Well, there's that, but there's also, there's a YouTube that I saw the other night, which as I was watching it, I'm thinking, this is really good. It's it's pointing out, you know, some history there, which is uh, it, it's in conformance to the research that we've done and and what we know. And then right at the end, all of the different things that they had brought that they had spoken about four or or maybe five, they described four or five activities that had been blamed on the Freemasons. And I'll, and uh, right and I thought this is very good, but right at the end of the show, a thirty third degree Freemason was interviewed and said, we've put this show together. <laughs> mm. So this one was a little bit obvious. Mm. To, to show the viewers that we're actually a good bunch of guys, he said, you know, we have bumper stickers. You know, oh, that makes you a good guy. And there was one <laughs> incident in that particular video where during a Freemasonic ritual, a man was shot in the head. Mm. And what happened was, as part of the ritual, the uh, one of the gentlemen put his hand into the pocket of his blazer, pulled out a gun and shot the man. Of course, mm. the gun was not meant to be loaded. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and oh, the um, there was a big, big inquiry. Oh, and it was all 
it was all, that's okay. Because what happened, when he put his hand in, he pulled out the wrong gun. <laughs> so, you know, because oh. I, I always walk around with two handguns in each pocket, don't you, Dan? Absolutely. And it's, look, it's, it's fairly understandable that... Uh, you would want to pretend to shoot someone. I mean, that's a normal, normal thing that uh, people do. Um, that wasn't produced by the BBC, was it? That documentary. The only reason I ask is because there was a similar thing on September the 11th. Said basically that spent half the show basically um, saying, you know, what have what a bunch of rubbish this uh, the official story of uh, September the 11th was. And then the second half of the show was about doing this this pathetic rebuttal of the whole first half. So in other words, it was almost like two documentaries. But anyway, mm. um, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out? Well, thanks, Dan. As you alluded, we, we hope that this episode one and the Zero Show complement each other. We're going to move on in episode two to the actual book, the Behind the Lodge Door. There it, it is. is. And we will go through that systematically, and we're really looking forward to that because it does get into the detail of the American experiment. As we suggested earlier, please consider buying the book and going through it with us. And send us through your comments because we'll be happy to select you know, relevant comments and, and read them out. Um, a, a comment such as, please say hi to mum, may not make it to the list, but it's always worth a try. Especially if your mum's a Freemason. Hang on, hang on, you can... <laughs> well, actually, that's an interesting point too, Dan, because there are now uh, Freemasonic lodges for women, which ah. is another topic yes. in itself. The, the, the final thing I would like to say about the Freemasons is, and I did mention this in the Zero program, what we're talking about is what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. And there we are no know, knowns and unknowns. That's knows. right. And we know what they allow us to know, and we don't know what they don't allow us to know. And I hope that makes complete <laughs> and absolute perfect sense because I don't even know what I just said. There but, are no unknown knowns. <laughs> well, I know, but you do. do, 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 do you I know? know. I know that you know. You know that I know. But there are unknown knowns and no knowns. That's right. Mm. And there's uh, big knowns and little knowns, and there's just yeah. I'm just I'm rambling. And no nothings. Uh, that's right. There's going to be a bit of editing in this one. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any questions about anything you heard on today's episode, please email questions at truerestoration.org. We want to remind you that behind the lodge door is a production of Mem supported restoration radio all rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden to obtain permission please write to copyright at truerestoration.org all of us here at member supported restoration radio hope that you found this show to be informative helpful and beneficial to you and to your faith in return please think of offering a mass a rosary or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray for the restoration, I am Dan. And I am Damo. May God bless you. Hey, pass me one of those Big Macs, will you, Damo? Hang on, yours has got extra cheese, Dan. Why didn't I get extra cheese?